the reading of God's Word today. And uh, we're going to read a little bit larger portion today of Scripture. Not gigantic, but uh, we're going to read a good portion here. Romans chapter 8, verses 4 through 27. Excuse me. Romans chapter 8, beginning verse number 4, the Bible says, That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness." But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby ye cry, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, but willingly, uh, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the rights of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he hope for it? Uh, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. That wasn't in our writing, but I just can't pass that verse up. That's a good verse. Amen. All right. I think it completes the thought there. Let's pray together and we'll begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this passage and I thank you for the truths in it. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts now as we continue this series on the great life. And I pray that you would bless us, Lord, and help us to, Father, have it sink truly in and help us to make the decision to yield to that Holy Spirit of God today. 
I pray that you bless us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we continue this morning in our series of the study of the great life. Uh, God has promised us a life that is abundant, not just routine, like living in the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Um, spiritual life is a life full of blessings and promise. We've learned that there are three types of people in the last couple of weeks. The natural man, the unsaved, the carnal man, the saved, who are not yielded to the Holy Spirit, and the spiritual man, the man who is in right relation not only with Christ in salvation, but also in the Holy Spirit and yielded to him. The Bible all throughout the New Testament talks about the fact that there are two types of Christians. Uh, those who abide in Christ, those who abide not in me. Those who are walking in the light and those who walk in darkness. Those who walk by the Spirit and those who walk with men. Uh, those who walk in newness of life and those who walk after the flesh. Those who have the Spirit in and upon them. And those who have the Spirit in them but not upon them. Uh, those who are spiritual and those who are carnal. And this has to do with the quality of our daily Christian life. The Bible speaks a lot about a person moving from being a carnal Christian to a spiritual Christian. And this is what, this is what we're talking about today. It's the seventh ministry of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about six of the seven ministries. and We stopped short of the seventh because I wanted to de dedicate more time today to it. We talked about, first of all, there were two ministries of the Holy Spirit to the unsaved. Restraining evil and rebuking. And the four, uh, there are four then uh, to the saved. The moment of salvation, that comes at the moment of salvation. Regeneration or born again. And dwelling of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and sealing of the Holy Spirit. And those four happen at the moment of salvation. The moment a person comes to Christ with saving faith, they are regenerated, given new life. They are indwelt. The Holy Spirit comes to stay in them. They are baptized, baptized into one body and by one spirit. They are sealed. Our salvation is sealed until the day of redemption. The seventh ministry, however, the seventh ministry of the Holy Spirit deals with the spiritual man. The man who yields to the Holy Spirit, that is the filling of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be transformed. Uh, or as 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us, But we all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are changed into that image that we see. We're as it, looking as uh, darkly, uh, the Bible talks about another place, and that we're, we don't quite see completely what that image is. But God, through His Holy Spirit, is changing us little by little and uh, to become more like Christ. Through yielding to the Holy Spirit, we uh, see made true the proving what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. When we're yielding to God's will, God then works in us to do His will. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. We're not capable of doing anything, amen? Anything good. There is no good in us. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none good. Uh, but the Bible says that it is God that worketh in us, and he does that through the Holy Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 9, we're told of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Later, he's, uh, he is told by Ananias that Jesus had sent Paul to him, Saul at that time, 
for a twofold purpose, to receive his sight and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Paul came to saving faith on the road and received the Holy Spirit then, I believe. But then he arrived in the city and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Other places it says the Holy Spirit came upon them or they received the Holy Spirit uh, during that early days of the apostolic age. But this specifically says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a separate act and time than salvation. The Bible speaks to the spirit-filled believer being the divine ideal. This is God's plan for every Christian on earth. Christ was full of the Holy Spirit. He gave us the perfect example of that. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In the instance of John the Baptist family, each of the members of that family were filled with the Holy Spirit at respective times. Zacharias, Elizabeth, and John, all three. The disciples were filled with the Spirit in order to minister with Jesus when he was on earth. And each of these biblical examples show the Holy Spirit came upon them. In Ephesians 5.18 we read, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The grammatical tense of the word used here is different than any of the other ministries of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have been born again by the Spirit. We have been baptized into the Spirit. We have been indwelt. We have been sealed, etc. This word, however, translated be filled with the Spirit, literally means be being kept filled by the Holy Spirit. Be being kept filled. By the Spirit. So then the Christian who is spiritual must be filled and be being kept filled by the Spirit. It's a continual, every day, every moment process. The idea, idea translated filled, <coughs> excuse me, the word idea, the idea of the word translated filled here gives the idea of being controlled by. I have here a glove. <clears throat> it's just a, a regular glove. It's kind of maybe a dresser, dressy glove. And I have a glass of water. And I can tell this glove, uh, glove, I would like a drink of water. Please get me a drink of water. I'll be waiting a long time, won't I? The glove doesn't have power to get me a drink of water, does it? But if this glove is filled with something that has the power to be able to reach over and grab that water then it has now the power to work through it to do that. So I can reach over here and get a drink of water. I've been waiting to do that. Anything that my hand can do has the power to do. This glove now has the power to do it. Okay? Only if the hand chooses to do it. Amen? The glove can't say, hey, I want to do this. I want to get... This and, you know, whatever. I want to beat this guy up. <laughs> whatever. Uh, the glove can't decide for me what I'm going to do. Okay? It's still the hand that's doing the power. It's still the hand doing the work. Now, this glove can decide, and I've had gloves like this. This glove can decide, I don't want to yield. I've had gloves that got something on it, or, and it's just stiff as a board and frozen. I've had a frozen gloves. Boy, that was uncomfortable. But, uh, you know, put my hand in it, and I say, you know, go pick that up. And I, I just, it won't yield to the power of my hand. It resists the power of my hand. And it can do that. It can choose to do that. 
in, in a sense. But we, in the essence, can do that as well. Three times in the Bible, being filled with the Holy Spirit is likened or compared to strong drink or being the effects of strong drink or being drunk. It gives us the idea of something controlling us. What are you going to be controlled by, he says. Just like you can be controlled by strong drink or by wine, you can be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. To be filled with the Spirit is to have the Holy Spirit of God fulfilling in us what God intended us to do. It's not a matter of getting more of the Spirit in us. Being filled with the Spirit isn't filling us up more. It's not about that. We have all of the Holy Spirit in us. It's a matter of the Spirit having more of us. Amen? We're yielding to Him. We have all of the Holy Spirit. It's just whether we will yield to Him and allow Him to do the work through us that we, He wants us to do. The result will be living the way that Christ would live. Ephesians 3, 16-21 says that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. The purpose of the Christian's growth by the power of the Holy Spirit is to bring glory to God. That's the purpose. The moment the glory becomes to shine on us, the power will be gone. God in Christ is to receive the power and the glory. I believe that as we yield to the Holy Spirit, as we give in to His control, we will see seven manifestations of the Spirit's control in us. That's what I want to look at today. Number one, the first manifestation of being filled with the Spirit is we will see Christian character. The Bible calls this the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These are the fruit of being yielded to the Spirit rather than yielded to the flesh. If we look at those words there, we can see and we would call them character traits that we see in people. And this is the living our life like Christ would live if he were here on earth. As he perfectly demonstrated for us while he was here on earth. And these nine things are foreign to human nature. Yes, a person made in the image of God, that is all human beings. Uh, we are all in the, made in the image of God. They may show a shadow of some things, uh, some of these things. But true love, true joy, true peace, etc. It will only come by being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And Christian character is not built, it is grown in us by yielding to the Holy Spirit. It is wholly and completely the work and power of the Holy Spirit. If we are spiritual, we will love as God loves. This enables us to do good to them that hate us. 
If we are spiritual, we will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Even if hard times, we can still have joy. The world can't figure it out, but the Holy Spirit grants it. We'll have peace that passes all understanding. Even in the middle of the storm, we'll be peaceful. We'll have long-suffering like no one else can understand. We'll be able to have patience that only God can create and empower. We'll have gentleness. That's the opposite of severeness or cutting something short. It's a gentle spirit, and it only comes from the Lord. We will have goodness, good in disposition and character, simply doing good. If we are yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, we'll do good. We'll have faith. That means a firm persuasion, conviction, belief, faithfulness. We'll have meekness, often described as strength under control. It's not weakness, but it's having strength yet under control. It's often manifested in us in a calmness toward God in particular. It's the acceptance of God's dealings with us, considering them as good, even if they're hard things. They're good if they enhance the closeness of our relationship with Him. We'll have temperance. Often it's translated self-control. I, I have a hard time with that, uh, a difficult time saying that that word means self-control, considering it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's just a pet peeve of mine. So I like to call it spirit control. Amen? It's interesting, too, because that means that when we yield to the Holy Spirit and are filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the fruit that comes with that is that we'll be able to be spirit-controlled. In other words, once we yield, God gives us what we need to keep yielding. That's a pretty neat thing, isn't it? God even gives us the ability, if we just make that decision, to carry us the rest of the way and help us yield. Each of these nine words or character traits are throughout Scripture. You'll always find three things. First of all, they're all divine characteristics. Secondly, they're expected by God in the believer's life. They are expected to be in the believer's life. And third, they're always produced only by the Spirit of God in us. So the first manifestation of being filled with the Spirit is Christian character. The second manifestation of being filled with the Spirit is Christian service. Christian service is direct exercise of the energy or power of the Spirit through the believer. John 7, 38 and 39 says, He that believeth on me, as the Spirit's Scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That sounds interesting if you didn't have the interpretation in verse 39. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. God will give us everything we need to be able to do what he wants us to do. Just like salvation, the ability to serve Christ has been designed and empowered by God. We can't be saved without God, and we can't serve without God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God hath ordained a very special service for each individual, every Christian, to serve him. He has ordained that. 
And these are for those who, as Paul beseeched the Romans to do, those who present their bodies a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 here. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies. That's a yielding. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable for you to do this. Amen? It's reasonable for you to yield yourself to God and His Holy Spirit. And he continues and says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. According to the Bible, Christian service is an exercise of a gift. These gifts are the Holy Spirit gifting us or manifesting through us a direct undertaking of the Holy Spirit through the life of the believer. It is the Holy Spirit of God doing something and using the believer to do it. Just like the hand used the glove to do something. It is the Holy Spirit working through the believer. Each believer is given a gift to serve. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 tells us, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. These gifts of the Spirit, that have ce- uh, some have ceased, when the Bible says that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. These manifestations of the Spirit, which I believe have ceased, were related to the introduction of the Spirit, rather than the continuation of the work of the Spirit in this age. It isn't without precedent for that to happen. When Christ was born, a star was seen in the east, and voices of the angels were heard. These were unusual conditions that occurred as the introduction of a particular event. But the star didn't continue to shine. The angels were not continually heard. So is the case of some of the gifts of the Spirit, called the operational gifts, where Paul uses the word energema, different than the other places where the gifts are talked about. 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says, And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh to all. However, these are the gifts that continue throughout the age. These are the motivational gifts of the Spirit found in Romans 12, spoken of using the Greek word uh, charismaton. And that's in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 12, where it says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God shall Jesus... That's not the right verse. I grabbed the wrong verse. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, the, there's also in 1 Corinthians 12, the administration gifts, where the word is used, uh, diakonia, a word of for service or administrating something in the church. That's found in chapter five, uh, verse 5. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Uh, but the Bible specifically tells us that prophecies, tongues, and words of knowledge shall cease. Uh, chapter later in verse 13. It says in verse 8, Charity never faileth, but where there are be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. That which is perfect is come. We hold the perfect preserved word of God, the canon of scripture in our hands. Some say that this verse is talking about Christ's second coming. Or Christ's coming. But the truth is, He's already come. He was perfect. It didn't say when He who which is perfect is come. It says when that which is perfect is come. More importantly, it didn't say when He which is perfect shall come again. Everywhere else that He talks about the second coming, He talks about them coming uh, again. So the manifestation of the Spirit in Christ is through Christian services. The gifts of the Spirit. 
Uh, the prophet, we see that list and, and the list there and then also in another list. A different word is used for that, uh, for that uh, interpretation. Although prophecies of new revelation is ceased with the completion of God's word, uh, God uses his revelation uh, still. Therefore, the prophet is one who, by gifting of the Holy Spirit, is able to divinely apply God's revelation to us. So we have the prophet, the servant, the teacher, the exhorter, the giver, the administrator or ruler, different people call it different things, the mercy. These gifts, or motivational gifts of the Spirit, by which we serve Christ through the Holy Spirit in Christian service. For sake of time, I don't, I don't want to reteach these individually. My sermons on the gifts of the Spirit can be found on YouTube uh, and on our website as well under the Sermons tab. Either way, uh, you can search spiritual gifts to learn more there. But the third manifestation, not only uh, Christian service, but the third manifestation of the filling of the Holy Spirit, this you'll see in, the, in a Christian who is spiritual, those who are spiritual. You'll see, number three, teaching. The teaching manifested by the Spirit in the believer is described by Jesus in John 16. It's what he prayed for. John 16, 12, it says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. And God has given to us the Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us in all truth. 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, uh, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He teaches us through his Holy Spirit the things about God. We have been given the word of God, but he hasn't left us alone to rightly divide the word of truth on our own. But he's given us the Holy Spirit to enlighten the word of God and show us what his word is speaking. Every Christian has this available to them. 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Even if uh, left on your own, you can still understand the word of God because you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. This isn't an encouragement, by the way, to stop going to church and just read your Bible. <laughs> we still have to obey the whole counsel of God. And he tells us to come, uh, to attend, to encourage, to uh, help each other, to lift up one another. But the preacher, the church, is given to help keep us in the line of the word of God. Not all thoughts that come into our head are from the Holy Spirit. I've had people come to me and say, I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to do this. And what they say is directly contrary to the word of God. And I can boldly say, that's not the Holy Spirit telling you that. It may be our desires, but it's not the Holy Spirit telling you that. Because the Holy Spirit never contradicts his word. And so we have to look at it and discern what God is. We have to know what the word of God says. I've known some that let their mind go crazy as they're reading the Bible and try to connect dots that just aren't there. And God has given us the church and the pastor to help us stay within the bonds of truth. 
2 Peter 1.20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. God is not going to give one man an interpretation of Scripture away from everyone else that is in Christendom. Okay? If you start believing something and seeing something in Scripture that no one else sees, it's not truth. <laughs> Amen? He does not give a private interpretation of prophecy of Scripture. But rather, the Holy Spirit convicts and teaches us as we read and as we hear the word preached to keep us on the right road. It is possible, however, to be immature in growth and still be spiritual. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Because the, 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 the idea of spiritual is not how much you've grown in the Lord. It's how much you're yielding to the Lord. It's a matter of yielding. We grow slowly, not overnight. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I didn't grow overnight. Amen? As many things as God has changed in me through the years, I'm glad he didn't do that overnight. That would hurt. Amen? We grow slowly and continually studying the word of God and through prayer and through service. We see the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and we yield to him. Next, the filling of the Holy Spirit manifests itself through, number four, promoting praise and thanksgiving. Immediately following the command to be filled with the Spirit, we find a description of the normal results of being filled with the Spirit. He just said, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says in verse 19 of Ephesians 5, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we yield to the Holy Spirit, we begin to sing and we begin to be thankful. Satan loves to depress our joy. Depression is a hard thing to go through. And many, many people go through it. Although it can be a chemical thing, sometimes physical in the body, it can also be a spiritual thing. Medical news today lists potential signs of spiritual depression. They said a lack of faith or confusion about faith, a disconnect from God, whichever religion or person they may follow. Uh, this was a, se a secular thing uh, listing these things, by the way. Feeling like God does not answer prayers. Sadness or lack of joy and faith, religion and relationship with God, avoiding places of worship, avoiding people, a, a, a people a person once worshipped with, general feelings of sadness and emptiness, inability to feel pleasure, feelings like, uh, like life has lost meaning, negative thinking about religion, God, a higher power or universe, their words, not mine, uh, negative thinking about the meaning of life, such as there is no meaning, therefore everything feels pointless. A sense of overall hopelessness. They list those as, as, as symptoms of spiritual depression. Now, some of those overlap physical depression. Some of them do, but not all of them. And there is spiritual depression. It is oppression from the devil. And he tries to keep us down and remove our joy. If it is spiritual depression, the answer is yielding to the Spirit of God, whether you feel like it or not. Amen? And if you are dealing with physical depression, get help. Get medical help. But do the things you're supposed to do also. Amen? Because if we yield to God, God will take care of the spiritual aspect. Amen? He'll take care of anything. He can heal you. And fifthly, the Holy Spirit manifests himself in our lives through number five, leading. 
Here in the context of Romans 8, our text today it is speaking of the spiritual man compared to the carnal man, the natural man. He says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The assumption is made that the Christian will be led of the Spirit. The normal Christian experience ought to be that we are led by the Spirit of God. Amen? But the leading of the Spirit is not experienced by all those who have the Holy Spirit. Spirit leading must depend upon a willingness to go where you are led to go. A willingness to yield. And then number six, we're moving a little faster here now. The filling of the Holy Spirit manifests itself through a witness. This isn't a witness to others about Christ. This is actually a witness to ourselves. The Spirit, the Bible says, witnesses with our spirit. Verse 16, he says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may, all, may be also glorified together. Whenever I was a child, I remember getting baptized. I remember talking to my parents about salvation. I remember getting baptized. And a few years later, I must have had doubts. And I remember getting baptized. I don't remember that talk, but I remember getting baptized. And I remember that one especially because the guy, uh, there were two people baptizing at the same time because of a very large church and a lot of people getting baptized every Sunday. And, uh, but there were two people. One in VBS played the old man. Okay, and he was old-timer, and he had a, a mop on his head that had white hair type thing and stuff. And uh, he was like Father Time, I guess, or something like that. The other one played the devil. And I knew he was the assistant pastor of the church. With, well, anyways, uh, he, but he, he played the devil in VBS, and I knew who he was. And I knew that he played the devil. And I thought, as I came down the steps of the baptism, uh, baptism i, I got to quit, quit talking and start preaching. But anyways, uh, it came down to the steps there. He started to reach for me. And the pastor came up to the, uh, the, the pulpit and said, you know what? We've got a lot of baptisms today. Let's pray and dismiss. If you can stay, then stay and watch them be baptized. But if you need to go, let's go. You can go. I was like, oh, thank goodness. I thought he was going to drown me, you know, because uh, he plays the devil. And uh, I was like second grade, first grade, something like that. And I thought for sure he was going to kill me. And, uh, you know, he prayed and uh, they started baptizing again. An old timer reached for me. And I was like, well, praise the Lord, I'm saved. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, but I, I, when I got to be about 12 or 13 years old, I, I, you know, all throughout I had doubts and I had struggles with my salvation. And I really wondered what, I, what, what it was. And I leaned over to my dad one day on a Wednesday night. They had invitation on a Wednesday night. And I said, Dad, I'm not saved. And he said, okay, let's go. And we walked down to the aisle and we knelt at the altar. And he said, you know what to do, do it. And I did. And I accepted Christ as my Savior. The other times I remember talking about it, but I don't remember actually accepting Christ myself. And I, I was plagued with doubts. But from that day that we knelt at that altar at Trinity Baptist Church in Arlington, Texas, I have never once doubted my salvation. The Holy Spirit of God convicts my spirit and speaks to my spirit that I am his child. Does that mean that anybody that has doubts is not saved? No, I'm not saying that at all. There are times whenever we yield to the wrong thing. Okay? And our minds just have to be corrected with the truth. Okay? And that's okay. But my experience was I never doubted again. And I hope I never do. <laughs> Amen? But that's what it is. And I believe that's a, that's a direct result of the Spirit bearing witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. Not only does he have a very active part in our salvation, but he continues to witness to our spirit that we are the child of God. 
there's some verses there, but I'm going to skip those verses real quick and uh, keep moving on. So uh, he manifests us through witness. The Holy Spirit uh, manifests um, through us, enabling us uh, by our gifts to use for Christian service. The, he manifests us through teaching the truth of God. He manifests through leading us where we ought to go. He manifests to us by witnessing that we are the child of God. Then number seven, the Holy Spirit manifests itself through interceding. After much talk about the benefits of being a child of God in this Romans chapter 8, he comes to verse 26. And he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not that what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This especially deals with prayer. Our infirmities, our lack of knowing what to pray as we ought. The Holy Spirit stands between us and God. And as an intercessor, helps us pray. In our weakness, He helps us pray according to God's good pleasure, according to His will, according to His plan and counsel, as the Holy Spirit knows what that is. One author said, We may pray for healing when the Lord wants to us to use our sickbed to prepare us for more and more inheritance, for the inheritance that awaits us. We ask for all kinds of things while we do not know what we really need. Boy, that's the truth. Because of this weakness of not knowing what we ought to pray, the Holy Spirit assists us. He does this with groanings, the Bible says, which cannot be uttered, words that we could never speak. He knows our hearts, verse 27 tells us, but he also knows the mind of God, the will of God, and he's able to intercede for us. It doesn't say that he helps us pray, by the way, but rather it says the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. He prays in our place so that our, when, our, when we pray, our deficiencies, the Spirit can fill it in. We know how to pray, the Lord's Prayer gives us the example. We know when to pray. He says, pray without ceasing. We're always supposed to be praying. We just don't know what to pray sometimes. We do not know the will of God for our lives, but the Holy Spirit does, and He intercedes for us. Boy, what a gift the Holy Spirit is for us. We may have the Holy Spirit in us, but we're not being filled. We're not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you are, these seven things will be manifest in your life. The question is, like this glove, are you going to be filled? Are you going to yield to the control of God? Are you going to do it your way? It's your choice. It's going to be the difference between the spiritual man and the carnal man. The answer to that question will determine though your whole life. Boy, what a great, great life we can have. Amen? But it's up to you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would bless us today. Encourage our hearts with this message. Father, if we would all just yield to you as we should. Father, what a great life we could have. Great life that you have promised us. It's not a life without troubles. It's not a life without struggles. You've promised us that we will have those. But, Father, it's a great life that you will help us through. You'll make all things good according to your will. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to yield to you. It's not a decision that can be made in this invitation time alone. 
we can decide now that we will continue to live yielded to you. And when we mess up, not if we mess up, when we mess up, we come back to you, confess our sin, and yield to your Holy Spirit again. Father, help us to stay faithful to reading your word. Help us stay faithful to hearing your word. Help us stay faithful to keeping it in our hearts. And Father, may we, as we know what the word of God says, we yield to the Holy Spirit, which tries to and works to apply that and teach us through it in our lives. Be with us now, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing one verse of invitation. I hope the Lord will work in your heart as he's working my heart as we've, I've